0: Well, hello there, friend, and welcome to the Cultivating Jewels podcast. This show is all about embracing the promise of abundance and cultivating what really matters in life. I'm your host, Amber Durgan, and together we will discuss what it means to be women devoting ourselves to Christ through all the various roles we play. I'm so excited you have joined me today. I cannot wait to uncover the jewels that are sure to be ours. Welcome! again and welcome back to the cultivating jewel show i'm so excited you're here this is our third episode i can hardly believe it my first episode was with miss rebecca hargraves all on biblical hospitality how she has a passion for that how the lord has used it in her life to impact her life and then how she's been able to turn around and impact others lives so definitely that is an episode you will want to go back and listen to my second episode was with my high school friend michelle nichols she has a senior photography business and i was able to talk with her all about how she found photography to be a passion in her life and how she is able to encourage and inspire these young girls at such a pivotal time in their lives so today picking up with our first solo episode super exciting we'll be talking about the great commission Which, is Jesus' last words he left us with, it's our task he has asked us to complete. And really, God's purpose for our time on this earth. All that being said, it should be the heartbeat of every believer. Whether we are Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, no matter where we find ourselves, if we believe in Jesus Christ, we should be carrying out the Great Commission. The Great Commission is found in matthew twenty eight sixteen through 20 um but i am pulling this whole podcast episode from a book walk by the spirit i was blessed to write with rebecca hargraves kayla nelson lauren bellows and kathy schwanke in 2019 rebecca asked me if i could write a chapter on spirit-filled ministry um this is a book you can purchase on amazon again it's walk by the spirit it's all about Galatians 5 and carrying that out in our practical lives. What's it mean to walk by the Spirit as a woman of God? So starting with the Great Commission, I will be reading from the New Living Translation. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew twenty-eight sixteen through 20, it reads, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So before we jump into how this personally applies to our own lives, let's look and think about some historical context. So, Jesus had already been given, crucified he has risen from the dead Judas hung himself after he betrayed Jesus so that's why there's only 11 disciples at this time if we look at verse 17 it tells us that some worshipped and some doubted when you read this in the message version it makes a point that some were scared if we think about it it would be kind of scary these disciples had just gone through a lot they saw their teacher their friend the one they thought came to the Into the world to have a completely different ending None of them expected him to die On a Roman cross And then be resurrected from the dead So they are kind of on shaky ground I love how the Lord Ends this though He says do not be afraid for I will never leave you Even in today's time We don't have to be afraid Because God will never leave us No matter what our world looks like No matter what kind of shaky ground we're standing on No matter what our political climate and culture looks like God will never leave us And as the passage mentions, he has the authority. So we know that the disciples carried out this command because if they had not, today we might not know the name of Christ. We know the name of Christ today because of the great commission. Charles Spurgeon once said, Go and tell the joyful news of pardoning mercy. Do not be contented with this unspeakable blessings for yourself alone, but publish widely the story of the cross. I think also of... A beloved Christmas hymn, Go Tell It on the Mountain. That truly is all about the Great Commission. We have the joyful news as believers. It is now our turn to go tell the world, look what Jesus has done. Look who Jesus is. Look how he's changed my life. Now, when I was younger, when I read the Great Commission, I thought that you had to board a ship and go to some foreign nation, find a people group that had never heard of Jesus, and preach to them there's some people that do that i think of elizabeth Elliot, for example she was amazing at what the lord had given her to do but the lord does not give everyone that same task today we will get into what this command looks like in our everyday life right where god has placed us there's no mistake you are where you are god has placed you there for a reason and as we talked about because the disciples carried out this command we know the name of jesus that being said this command was not just for first century apostles there are some christians that believe that it was only for the first century apostles that nobody else is to carry out the great commission however carrying out that logically if we don't share about christ because really if you boil it down that's all the great commission is if we don't share about christ with others our grandchildren our great grandchildren who's going to know the name of christ in the future god wants us to share our story to share what was our life like before christ what brought us to christ what is our life like now it's as really as simple as it needs to be god doesn't expect us to know our whole bible and to go out on the street corner and shout it out that's not what he wants us to do we see in the bible when people are such as the pharisees are standing on corners and shouting religiously out at people that god tells them no build relationships god has given us all unique lives to reach people, no one else would be able to. Your story may inspire someone who I can never reach, and vice versa. There might be a part of my story that you've never walked through, who someone who is walking through it needs a hope, the hope of Jesus Christ. Our personal stories, or testimonies as some might say, are the most powerful tool we have in reaching the lost. Now of course, the word of God is the ultimate. However, it is likely, at least in our American culture, that if... Someone has not yet picked up the Bible, they might not until they hear your story, until they hear the power that God has worked through you. I know sometimes living as a Christian, I have experienced where I'm like, well, this is my belief, so everyone else must see the world like this, right? At least I believed that before 2020. (laughs) but not everyone has a biblical worldview because not everyone is Christian. We need to get out of our Christian bubble and this was why it's so important to have friends who think differently than us because if we're surrounding ourselves with only people who think exactly like who believe exactly like we're not reaching the lost world for Christ. We need to get out of our bubble and seek and serve the lost. Christ came not to hang out with the righteous but because sinners needed a doctor we see him talking about this sinners needed a physician he was a great physician he came to seek and save the lost he then turns around and gives us that same commission go out into the very ends of the world and seek the lost and turn them to me make disciples that all being said we cannot flip this on as if it's an on and off switch the Great Commission and sharing Christ must be a lifestyle because truly we never know when something we say will impact somebody to turn to Christ. If the Holy Spirit is nudging our hearts to say something, i like, nah, I'll do it tomorrow. Friend, tomorrow might never come. It has to be a lifestyle. It has to be walking by the Spirit to know when and how we should say something to win people to Christ. Tons and tons and tons of people in this world who need to be set free by the power of God. Perhaps they have an addiction, an eating disorder, a gambling problem. They have broken relationships in their life. Everybody experiences brokenness. There's not one person in this world who's untouched by brokenness. And again, we may be the only gospel that these people ever read, and if they can see our life and see, yeah, I was right there. I was right there in the brokenness. I was in the thick of the brokenness before I found Christ. But now, look at all this abundance I have. Look at all God has worked in my life, friend. How powerful! How powerful for someone to see that testimony and to see the power of Christ and to be set free from their own brokenness and sin. <laughs> it gives me goosebumps. As I was preparing for this podcast and writing the chapter in the book, me stood out to me was the fact that as an American culture used to growing our numbers on Facebook and Instagram and always having to reach for more and better, we get so caught up in this idea that we have to be preaching to crowds of thousands that we might stop ourselves. Like, well, I don't have the following, so that means I'll just let the bigger dogs do it. But no, we're all called to the Great Commission. And instead of focusing on that huge crowd, what if instead we focused on the one? Who's God going to bring me today? Who's God going to bring into my life so that I can share the good news with change one life? Can't it be great? The more people to Christ, the better. It'd be amazing if God ever gave us the opportunity to change thousands of lives at once. But I would rather one life in heaven because of what I shared than none. Than waiting until I had a big enough crowd to speak to. Right, friend? even that one that one is important we think about that scripturally just the importance of one god left 99 so he could find one we in our more and better culture cannot forget about that so how do we do this how do we seek and serve the lost are we to go out with a bullhorn horn and shout on the street corners don't think so it's by making relationships there's that saying that people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care they've already likely been bible thumped maybe they've been so mistreated by the church by someone in the church just quoting scriptures at them they repent or go to hell crowd that they left the church that's not God's heart and giving us the great commission work his heart is that we would make disciples he did not say he could have said but he did not say go and have people say a sinners prayer and then carry on with your life that's not his heart he wants Change. He wants real change. He wants repentance. He wants us to draw people into a relationship with Him. We are told to make disciples. Step one is salvation. That is true. You cannot have a relationship with God without salvation. But it's more than praying a sinner's prayer, it has to be life changing. Noah Webster defined disciple as a follower or an adherent to the doctrine of another. Hence, the constant attendants of Christ were called his disciples and hence all christians are called disciples if they profess to learn and receive his doctrines and precepts it's the adherence the sticking to god the learning reading our bibles daily praying going to church a verse that we've as christians have heard a lot i would say in the last two years because of having churches shut down as hebrews 10:25, do not forsake yourselves meeting together we're stronger Together. disciples of Christ must be first in relationship with God and then in relationship with others think of this second greatest commandment love God love others God sets the orphan and families and he sets the widow and marriage his heart for relationships is so strong so then now on a more practical level we've covered what the Great Commission is how do we share the gospel how does that look like in our life As 21st century, biblical, Christ-centered women who were trying to walk by the Spirit, how might that look? On page 149 of the Walk by the Spirit book, Sarah was in church every time the doors were open, and it seemed as if she were involved in every ministry possible. She worked in the nursery, was on the worship team, served on the church board, led the church's MOPS program, and, when needed, taught Sunday school to elementary-aged children. Everyone knew they could count on Sarah when help was needed. Rachel, on the other hand, was in church when possible, but was not as actively involved. She taught Sunday school every other week, but as far as direct connection with her church, that was her only service. Rachel was much more involved outside the church. She led a Bible study in her home for teenage girls, volunteered multiple times a month at her local soup kitchen, put together kits for the homeless, visited the elderly and shut-in population, gave her time as a foster mom and was a wife and homemaker who raised her own children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So we might ask ourselves, which of these two women is more actively involved in Christian ministry? Another question, is it important to have ministries inside and outside the church? How does God want us to serve others in ministry? What's that look like? Any work that brings people to Christ and teaches them to be his disciples is ministry That means there are two types of ministry. There is ministry inside of the church and outside of the church If you think about it church going to church on Sunday Maybe you have weekly Bible study life group throughout the week Mops groups What have you going to church is like a shot in the arm We go to church we get encouraged so that we can then pour the encouragement out outside the church ministries maybe you have a in both worlds. Perhaps you, like me, serve in the church and also serve outside the church. There's nothing wrong with however your ministry is done. If you're serving all inside the church, you are helping do your part to carry out the Great Commission. we got to be very careful that we are not making a hierarchy. There's no better than in ministry. Both ministry inside and outside the church is glorifying to God. Our role as Christian women who are involved in ministry is to bring others into the flock of God and then shepherd them. So there is definitely a place for both. On page 151 of Walk by the Spirit, I shared some examples of ministries that could be done inside or outside the church. Turning there, I will read. Examples of ministry inside the church include the worship team, greeters and ushers, Sunday school and nursery care, providing food for potlucks, leading Bible studies, church board membership, and so forth. These exist to build the church family, to encourage participation in the church and to love on church-going people. Ministry inside the church should prepare believers to go out into the world and to make disciples of the lost. This is where the focus of the Great Commission is placed on going out and making disciples of the lost. Examples of ministries outside the church might include, but are not limited to, serving meals at the soup kitchen, volunteering in less fortunate communities, taking care of the homeless, clothing the naked, being a voice for those who have no voice, Sponsoring a child in another country and being on the local school board college campus ministries voluntary work around your community Or even working as a missionary in foreign country Again the purpose of these ministries is to bring others outside the church body to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ Now those were just a rough list of ideas of how ministry may look your ministry might look completely different as long as the goal of our spirit-filled ministry is to bring others to Christ and it is completely Christ-centered and Christ-led. It could look a million different ways. How it looks is really not the point. It's what it's accomplishing. If it's accomplishing making disciples of the lost, you're right in the center of God's will as far as your ministry goes. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. It's going to be hard. There will be times, as I experienced this last Sunday, I really kind of just wanted to go home with my husband and sons after the service i didn't want to stay another service to help serve but no matter how we're feeling god still calls us into the great commission work he promises never to leave us and it has been my experience at least most of the times where i feel like i do not want to participate in ministry feel that flesh right that sinful nature but then still do there's a blessing somewhere in there from god now i'm not saying that going home with my husband and children was a sinful desire but i do think that was tempting because the devil did not want me to participate in ministry because again what's ministry doing furthering the name of christ what's the devil trying to do our enemy is trying to squelch the name of Christ. It's one thing for people to warm a pew on Sunday to perhaps attend a fun church event throughout the year. It's a completely different thing to be a disciple of Christ, sold out, living a sold-out life to Christ. In Revelation 316, God compares the lukewarm Christian to lukewarm water. How we don't want that in our mouth. We want our water either cold are hot there's no place for lukewarm he wants us to be disciples of him so maybe we don't have a huge ministry maybe you're not a podcaster maybe you're not an author maybe you're not a preacher maybe you're not someone that is in quote unquote ministry how does that look for the everyday person i think oftentimes we get the preconceived ideas about how it needs to look we end up thinking that we don't have time to get involved or we may have these big ideas again preaching to crowds of thousands building that platform if you will waiting until we have more better but friends that's really not the point while those ideas can be great that's not the point of the great commission remember god's definition of ministry is to bring others to him to make disciples of people That means everyday acts become ministry opportunities. Baking cookies for an elderly neighbor, joining the neighborhood kids in a game of ball, or tutoring a friend's child in an area which you excel at are all tasks that minister to others because there are ways we can love others. God is not requiring us to give lengthy sermons every time we evangelize. It is simply pouring his love, the love he has given us, into others. It is when we help others with their needs, truly teaching them about the only one who is able to satisfy their souls, that our world will be changed. And don't worry if this seems intimidating to you again as jesus says in matthew 28 the end of it he is with us always even till the end of the age hebrews 13:21 tells us that god equips us with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through jesus christ to whom the glory be forever and ever amen christ equips us to do the work he's not asking us to do it on ourselves on our own power He's simply asking that we would be willing to work with him, to partner with him. Simply looking for a willing heart. To wrap this podcast up, I want to share about two women who you probably have heard the names of. Amy Carmichael and Corrie Ten And how they carried out ministry in their own unique way. This is starting on page 153 of Walk by the Spirit. Amy Carmichael was born in ireland in 1867 she started a church the welcome evangelical church before being called to asia f- for full-time ministry in 1887 she may be best known for rescuing indian children who were being sacrificed to indian gods to become temple children a rather unsavory existence i would say she also saved children from infants infanticide and those who had been abandoned in 1900 amy had the Don Aver Fellowship built, which served as an orphanage, hospital, and school for these children. While Amy never married or had children of her own, she became like a mother to these children. In order to be accepted by the Indian people, she would wear Indian clothing and dye her skin with coffee. A story that is shared of young Amy is how she grew up always hating that she had brown eyes. I love this story. She would stand in front of the mirror and pray for them to change, only to open her eyes and still see brown. However, God used those brown eyes of hers and the dying of her skin to eventually help save Indian children, children who would have otherwise faced a very different ending. God will use what we offer him, even things we view as shortcomings, to reach a lost world. We as spirit-filled women can learn a lot about Amy Carmichael's life. While she was called to be a foreign missionary, and not all of us will be, we all have a calling to dedicate our lives to serving others. Amy Carmichael was persistent in working to save these children. God worked through her and allowed her to help over a thousand children. Over a thousand children, guys—that's amazing. She's an example of compassion, devotion, love, and a strong work ethic. We would do well to mimic her heart in our own ministries. Remember, ministry—it's a side note. end in the book. Ministry is not necessarily being a missionary. Ministry does not mean you have to have a podcast, a platform, be an author, be a pastor, be a children's pastor. Ministry is simply how we love others to Jesus. Now. Corey Ten Boom, who was born in nineteen eighty two, she worked in her father's watch shop and was also involved in shepherding teenage girls during World War II, when the Nazis targeted Jewish people. Corey and her family hid them in her home. Have you seen the movie The Hiding Place or even read the book? Such a good story. Um this that's what Corey's family did was hide the Jews in her home. Corey was part of a movement to protect the fugitives by harboring them in her family's home and finding other safe homes where they could stay. In February of 1944, a Dutchman told the SS about the Timboom family, and they were arrested. Corey and her sister were eventually taken to Ravensbruck concentration camp. While in camp, Corey and her sister Betsy held worship services and Bible studies. Betsy eventually died of pernicious anemia while at the camp. However, God worked a miracle for Cory as she was released because of clerical error. Some days later, the women in her age group who were still in the camp were killed. After her release, Cory returned to her home and continued helping the same people she had before her arrest. Cory's story teaches us that God has a plan and purpose for all He allows us to experience during our earthly existence. There is nothing, ladies, outside of God's control, even the most painful valley we we'll walk through. We know that Romans 8.28 tells us that he can use all things for, for his glory, for the good of those who love him. God loves all people, no matter their statute st- status or how the world may view them. Corrie Timboom fought for people whom the Nazis wanted to kill so they could form a perfect society. She was brave in the face of her own persecution by bringing worship and Bible study into the camp and by going back to the same work that got her arrested after she was released. Her example of ministry teaches us to rely on God through the hard times and not to shrink away from those times. She loved and ministered to people in the face of danger. We might not be in a concentration camp, but we can learn from all she went through. Looking at our foremothers, if you will, of the faith can bolster our own walks with the Lord and our own ministry. Again, we may never be in India, we may never be in a concentration camp, but God has given us work to do to reach the last. And there's going to be times it's hard there's going to be times it hurts there's going to be times where it's not perfect in fact really because we live in a broken world none of it's going to be quote unquote perfect but if we will set those hindrances aside and run the race god has given us to run it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing think of raymond bolt's song thank you for giving to the lord the chorus says thank you for giving to the lord i'm a life that was changed thank you for giving to the lord i'm so glad you gave thank you for giving to the Lord I'm a life that was changed thank you for giving to the Lord I'm so glad you gave think of one day in heaven when we will know we might know that people are there because we got over our hurdles and shared the name of Jesus Christ with them. isn't that just an amazing thought that we are story of how Christ has worked in our life it's not us It's how Christ has worked in our life when we are willing to share that with people when we're willing to love people where they are and not judge them to Christ, it's life-changing. It's life-giving. It's the most important, precious gift we can ever give someone is introducing them to the one that can save their soul. I want to leave a quick note for moms, because moms of young children especially, how can I do ministry? Like how in the world I have a hundred million things going on. My child's not sleeping. A friend I am in that season, too. Where I have been in that season my boys are growing up now they're three and six but I've been right where you were I've been like what this baby's not sleeping what to, how am I supposed to reach the world when my baby in my own home is not sleeping but C.S. Lewis shares that children are not a distraction from the most important work they are the most important work even if you cannot be traditional ministry you serving in your home and loving and raising your children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord is the hands-down most important thing you can be doing please let go of the shame and guilt that you might be carrying for not being able to do more you are doing exactly what God has you in this season there will be seasons when your children grow up when they sleep When it's not so cray and you are able to reach out and do ministry, take courage that you are right where you want to be. There's nowhere else in this world where you could be making more of an impact than you are in your home with your children. Friends, I hope that gives you an idea of what ministry, spirit-filled ministry, can look like in our daily lives and how we are all called to be the messengers of the good news. I would love to hear how you are doing ministry in your personal life, if you would like to leave a comment or a message. And next podcast episode, which will be on October 7th, will be with my dear friend Bella Easterbrook from Sydney, Australia, as she shares her resource, A Holy History, Where We Can Find Jesus Through the Old Testament. Until then, have a wonderful two weeks, and we'll talk soon. I'm so thankful for the work I get to do. I have always loved stories, and truly chatting with you all is my favorite part of my ministry. Come back next time for what is sure to be another impactful interview. And until then, as always, to God be the glory.